My name is Justin Craig. I am the family minister here at Windsor Road Christian Church, and uh, it's my privilege to be uh, back up here on this stage this morning, uh, getting to share uh, what God has been placing on my heart over the last several weeks as I've been preparing for this. Um, But I want to start out by uh, wishing you a happy new year. Happy new year. Thanks. Thanks. That's good. It's a cheap way to get a happy new year back is to be like, hey, happy new year. It's like when you wish somebody Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. Like, hey, Merry Christmas to you. It's like, thanks. (laughs) So, new year, we bought a new car. Yeah. I mean, like eight years ago, we bought a new car. Um, And by new, it wasn't new. Uh, I mean, it was new to us. You know, it's all relative. But I mean, it it was new to us. And so, my car was not doing so well. It was pretty sick all the time, and we got really good. We became professionals at jump-starting our car uh, because it was, it was just not healthy. And so we decided that we would start looking for a new one. Uh, and we, we kind of did some research. We knew what we wanted. We knew what kind we wanted. We knew what brand we wanted. So we went to the dealership and uh, spoke to the salesman, and he said to us, he's like, he's like hey, so I, I got something. It came in last week. I think you guys might be interested in it. Comes out, 2001 Honda CRV, and we're like, sweet, this is exactly what we wanted. Like, remind, this is eight years ago, okay? Now, if somebody brought out a 2001 CRV now, it'd be like, Neh. but it was then, and we were really excited about it. So we, were, we took it for a test drive. He said, if you like it, let me know what you think. So we took it for a test drive, and we switched drivers halfway through, and stuff. not, I mean, we stopped the car and switched drivers. That would be crazy. Um, but we switched drivers halfway through. Stephanie's driving. She goes, we have to buy this car. I was shocked, because she is our cautious uh, buyer of, of bigger items. And so with her going, we need to buy this car. I'm like, yes, you know, I get to throw my piece of junk hoopty mobile away and I get to buy a new car. This is so exciting. So we get back to the dealership. We start signing papers and the guy's like, oh, do you have a trade in? I was like, oh, you bet we do. Yes. You're going to love this. He's like, well, what is it? 1995 Pontiac Grand Am, big dent in the side. He's like, now wait, those aren't that bad of cars. I was, like, I was like, no, they're not that bad. He's like, does it run? I was like, you mean like downhill? Yeah, probably neutral and be able to shove. It'll run just fine right downhill. No problem. Put some double A's in it. It might be better. Wind it up. Set it on the ground. Let it, let it go. Yeah, it runs. Once you jump started, it runs fine. It's great. And so he's like, well, without even looking at it, I'll give you a thousand bucks. I was like, Okay, that sounds like a good deal to me. It's like, it sounds like a big pile of cash sitting in my garage. So that sounds awesome. So we go, he's like, he's like next day, just, just bring it on in. It's like, okay, let's take our brand new car home. We're very excited, very giddy. We're, you know, we got a new car, okay? And then we go to drive the Hoopty Mobile to the dealership. I get out there and I'm in the Grand Am and I give it a turn with some hope in my eyes. Nothing, it's dead. And so we jumpstart it because like I said, we're professionals now. And so we jumpstart the car. We get it running. Stephanie's like, hey, do you want me to bring the jumper cables with? I was like, nah, don't worry, we got it running. But because my wife is infinitely smarter than I am, she threw them in the back of the nice car. So we are about halfway there. We're about two miles into our four-mile trek to the dealership. Not a long way. So I'm like, the little engine that could, you can make it, you can make it. And I'm praying, you can make it, you can make it on the way there. But we get to going down a hill because Moline, Illinois is very hilly, has a lot of ravines, a lot of hills and things like that. And we get going down this hill and my car turns from a automobile to a green rock floating down the hill because my car has 
has died. So now I'm slamming on the brakes and I get it stopped about halfway out into this intersection of a four-way stop. Now what's happening at the intersection is that the high school two blocks away is just let out so there are gazillion cars everywhere and they're all angry teenagers driving because they just sat in school for eight hours. This is going to go really well. So Stephanie pulls up next to me. She throws on her hazards. I throw on mine. We start jumping the car. Nothing. And I'm like, well, that's about as much mechanical ability as I have. Whether If it's out of gas, I'm like, I got this one. You know, if it's like, oh, oh, it needs to be jumped. Oh, I got this one. But past that, I'm like, eh, I don't know. So I decide that we're going to push the Grand Am. Did I mention we're at the bottom of a hill? To get out of the bottom of the hill is a steady incline out. Now, there's a side street over here that we are going to try and get to. So I was like, hey, Steph, hop in. I'm going to push our car through the intersection. She goes, okay. And so she gets in, and she, you know, we got the windows down so I can yell directions at her. And I'm like, turn. So she turns, and I push with all of my might, and it doesn't move an inch. And I'm like, well, poop. This isn't going well. And so I'm like pushing with all my might. I'm trying to get it out of the way of everything everybody else. They're all angry. They're honking at me. I'm like, well, what are you honking for? Clearly, I'm not doing this for fun. And so I see some high schoolers. I see some high school boys. They're walking home from school. And I'm like, thank you. And so I yell to them, hey, guys, can you come help me push my car? And they yell, yeah, for how much? <laughs> no lie. My response, because I've always been quick-witted. You get two older brothers, you get very quick-witted. I said, how much? I'm driving a broken car. How much money do you think I got? So they come over and they help me push our hoopty mobile through the intersection to the side street. We call the tow truck. We go to the dealership and I'm dreading walking in there because the guy's already given me a thousand dollars for our car. And so uh, he's like, hey, where'd you park it? I was like, well, we parked it uh, out back. And by we, I mean the tow truck that brought it here. He's like, oh no. Told him the story. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. We're good. It sounds like something easy. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a relief. That's so great. And it made me think that sometimes as much as we want to get rid of our past, it can always feel like an uphill climb. An uphill battle, an uphill grind. And there was no way that I was going to be able to push our automobile through this intersection up this hill unless I called in some backup, unless I called in some help. And it's the same way with our lives when we try and leave our past and pursue something new. See, we can push and we can strain, we can try and we can do everything we can, but until we beg God to come and intervene, we might never leave our past in the past. So what if this year, 2018, instead of trying to do something new, we've all made resolutions, I'm sure, instead of trying to do something new, what if we tried the pursuit of being someone new? What if, what if this year had absolutely nothing to do with us and had everything to do with Christ? What if our New Year's resolution was to be in Christ? If you have your scriptures, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now you may recognize this reference, you may recognize this verse, because it's a, it's a common verse But let me give you some background of what's happening here. Paul is the writer of this letter to this church in Corinth. And Paul wasn't always the nice guy that we have in our scriptures here. You see, Paul used to be named Saul before he met Jesus. And Saul was known for trying to stop the advance of the gospel. But now, after a dramatic encounter with Christ, Paul is his name. 
And he is now doing everything he can to push and advance the message of Christ. You see, one thing I love about Paul's story is that on the way for Saul to imprison Christians, to put them in jail, to split up families, and to break up people groups, on his way to do that, Jesus meets him in his mess, and he changes his message. Maybe for you, you can relate to that. I know I sure can. Now this, now this Corinthian church, they were messed up. Uh, they had some problems. That's why Paul writes two lengthy letters to them. Uh, and I assume he only wrote two because he ran out of paper. Um, and just instead of make one long one. Here's, here's chapter 365. Great. Paul writes two letters to the Corinthian church because they've got some problems. In his first letter, he talks about divisions in the church. He talks about moral and ethical failures. He talks about marriage. He talks about false teachers. He talks about public worship, and he talks about resurrection because he wants to make sure they don't get that one wrong. Now Paul is writing a second letter because he's heard from them that there are some false teachers rising up among them, that there are people that are spitting falsehood about Christ and about Paul. They're not just dragging Jesus through the mud, but they're dragging Paul through the mud too. So he writes a second letter to them. And in the middle of this letter is chapter five, where we are going to camp out today. And in chapter five, he talks about reconciliation with God. And that's where we find our verse this morning. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. This is what the apostle Paul writes. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I think there's one major thing for us to pull out of our scripture this morning. And if Paul had to summarize this verse, I know it's one verse, but if Paul had to make this a little bit more simple, I think he would say it like this. As we think about new year, as we think about 2018 and what that holds for us, I think Paul would say this to us, is that if you want to be someone new, you cannot live in something old. We cannot live in old habits and pursue something new. We can't live in who we used to be and be something, someone new we can't live in our past hang-ups and our past sins and be someone new. And so I want to pull three things out of our scripture this morning. The first one might be extremely obvious to you, and if it is, fantastic. That's great. The second two may be a little bit more obscure for you. But this morning, the first thing I want us to, I want us to hear is that in Christ we have a new identity. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You see, we have a new identity in Christ, but there is a giant obstacle that sits in the way of us embracing our new identity in Christ. And it's what I like to call current voices. Current voices. You see, for too long we have taken somebody else's opinion of ourselves and made it into a divine truth, and that's simply not the way God intended it to be. These current voices that we listen to are the wrong voices, and we become bound by their opinions of us. I like to, I like to say this, this I, I like to do play on words because it's fun and it's easy for me to remember, but I like to think that voices, outside voices, can become internal vices. I also like to think that loud opinions can become the quiet whispers of truth that we whisper to ourselves when nobody else is around. And I think that constant words can build up for us a consistent worry. 
because we allow these current voices to be extremely loud. You see, Satan's objective is to mess with our head until we have completely forgotten who we are in Christ. But that's not where the current voices stop. That's not the only problem is that they're there. But the problem with the current voices is that, is that they distract us as well. You see, when we are listening to current voices over and over again, how can we ever hear the voice of God? It's not until we silence these current voices that we can hear the voice of our Creator. And I honestly believe that the voice we believe will impact the future we experience. One of my best friends, his name is Blake Chenoweth. He is a pastor. Uh, he's a preaching pastor at a church. Uh, he's actually starting a new uh, preaching ministry uh, in Anderson, Indiana in a couple of weeks. And so really excited about him for that. But he's been in several different churches in the last 10 to 12 years. And Blake got a letter in the mail one day at his first church. It, wasn't, it, it was just like a little note card. And Blake's like, cool, man, note of encouragement. This is awesome. I love getting these. I'm hanging on my fridge. And he opens it up and it starts to spill out a lot of a lot of hatred towards him, calling him a cancer to their community, calling him a false teacher and somebody that doesn't belong to be able to preach the scriptures. Blake is a gifted communicator, somebody that I would love to learn under. And he's hearing and reading these words, and he takes that note. He's like, I got four lines in, and I ripped it up. I threw it in the garbage, but that wasn't enough. I took the garbage outside and had to throw it in the dumpster because I don't want those words in my house because the voice that we believe will impact the future we experience. And he told me that day something that stuck with me. He said, did you know that it takes 20 positive comments to replace one negative comment? 20 positive comments to replace one negative comment. So it's time for us to reassemble the image of God. The image that we may have not always reflected, but we know that has always been there. You see, Jesus doesn't come to make bad people good. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come to make villains into heroes. He comes to make dead people alive. Jesus comes in to quiet the opinions and voices that speak into our identity. Jesus comes not just to say that those other voices are wrong, but he comes in to show us that the other voices are wrong. By his death and resurrection, we are brought from our death into his new life. What leads us to a new identity is the exact same thing that led Jesus to the cross. And it's the love of a father who wants his children to be in his arms. Jesus comes not to reflect on our past, but Jesus comes to pass on his reflection, to pass on the image that we were created into. The holes in his hands and the scars on his body are our door to forgiveness, our opportunity to get past our past and to reclaim who we are in Christ. If we want to be someone new, we cannot live in something old. And it's time that we silence our current voices, the voices that are telling us that we are no good, and we start listening to his voice who tells us we are his. And so here's, here's something we're going to do, a little different, because that's just the way I am. I'm different. That's okay. We're going to verbalize this this morning. 
So this is going to require some participation from you, all right? So what we're going to do is right up here on the screen is our next thing, right? In Christ, we have a new identity. And it's like, oh, I can read that. That sounds great. But when we verbalize it, it starts to mean a little more to us. So what I want us to do is in just a few seconds, we're all going to say this together. And if I don't believe you, we're going to say it again. And if, we don't, and if you don't believe you, you should say it again. But in a few seconds, we're going to say, in Christ, we have a new identity. All right, let's try it. In Christ, we have a new identity. No, some of you guys didn't smile. That's something that we're smiling about. In Christ, we have a new identity. You guys are better readers than that. You guys are much better readers than that. Let's try it again. In Christ, we have a new identity. One more time. In Christ, we have a new identity. But that's not where the Apostle Paul stops. Yes, that's extremely important for us to have and to hold on to is that in Christ we have a new identity. But the second thing I want to pull out of our scripture this morning is that in Christ we have a new value. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We have a new value in Christ. But again, there's a major hurdle for us to jump over in order to receive this new value, in order for us to believe this new value. And the thing that that is our hurdle is our past experiences. It's our past experiences. And so I, I was talking with my wife about how should I share this this morning, and she said, you just need to be bold. So I'm going to share with you a past experience that has been on my heart for a long time. It's something that we talk about as a couple a lot, and I just need your love and your grace. I used to wear turquoise sweatpants to school. Uh, it, um, I mean, it was, it was nice. And I'm not talking like the nice, cool sweatpants now that have like pockets that are like in, um, but I'm talking about the sweatpants that were never in. Um, I'm talking like they got like the cuffs on the bottom of them, and I thought they went with everything. You get a new red Chicago Bull sweatshirt for Christmas, wearing it with my turquoise sweatpants. And I know what you're thinking, Justin, why don't you just wear black sweatpants? Well, those were for church. You can't wear your church clothes to school. So it was like, oh no. I mean, they had pleats still in them. They were nice. And so, but I used to wear turquoise sweatpants. That's my big confession this morning. And it was ugly. You know what turquoise sweatpants go with? The garbage can. If you're wearing turquoise sweatpants to church today, uh, meet with us later. We'll pray over you, and we'll give you $9 to buy some new pants because that's just a, a tragedy, um, unless you're like a little kid because then that's cute. But I used to wear turquoise sweatpants. Here's another confession. I don't think you guys are ready for this. I used to be in a lot of school plays, yeah, which meant I had a lot of dorky costumes, um, which meant that I wore a lot of stage makeup, and that was not fun. But when I was in college, there was this really cool thing uh, called Christmas in the Chapel over at Lincoln Christian University. Anybody ever been to Christmas in the Chapel? Didn't think so. All right. So I'm just kidding. I saw your hands. Christmas in the Chapel, right? I got one of the lead speaking roles in Christmas in the Chapel. I was so excited. And then they told me what they were doing. They were adapting the story of a Christmas story into a Jesus story. And I go, oh no. So they turned me into Ralphie. And I probably shot my eye out more times than I needed to. But I had to shave, so I really did look like a 10-year-old. It was great. Um, 
And uh, you know how sometimes when you try and let your past die, other people just kind of resurrected a little bit. My parents kept doing that, okay? Because not only was I Ralphie in Christmas in the chapel, but I was Ralphie for the next like 10 Christmases. Uh, it was ugly. I got my first Christmas, guess what I got? Red Rider BB gun, 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass on the stock and a thing that tells time. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> But after I gave that away, because I realized I'm not a BB gun guy, um, so that's not really my, my vibe. But the next couple of Christmases, I got some really cool Christmas ornaments. You know, the one of him like hunting and his big outfit and everything like that. And then the other one of, of him like going down the slide. And then my favorite, because I had to do this, was the bunny costume with him and his dreadful look on his face. It was special. And you would think that's where it would stop because, man, that's a lot of gifts for me being uh, Ralphie once in a Christmas in the Chapel program. Oh, no, my parents didn't stop there. They got me pajamas that said, you'll shoot your eye out on them. And they're like, go put them on. Let's see them. And I'm like, <laughs> do you really love me? I mean, turquoise sweatpants, and now I've got pajamas. I mean, come on. But people will keep bringing up your past. Have you guys ever felt that before? Whether it's funny or whether it's painful, your past has a hard time of leaving. You see, our past sins, our past failures, our past habits, our past hurts, the ones that we have caused and the ones that have happened to us, our past thoughts, our past dreams, our past obsessions, and our past identity, our past carries with it a lot of pain. Painful memories, painful circumstances, painful what-ifs. Painful current circumstances that could have been avoided by a past choice. But it doesn't only carry pain. For us, our past can, can really deteriorate our value, our self-value, the way that we see ourselves, because we see all of our junk. Our past has a way of making us feel less valuable, worthless, making us feel like there is no way that God would want me anymore. You know, we were created in the image of God, but you'd be hard-pressed to find that in me now. I heard a pastor say this last week, if you don't let your past die, your past won't let you live. So it's time that we step out of our history and be led into our destiny by our Savior. In Christ, we have a greater value. I talked about this with our middle schoolers several weeks ago. It was on a Wednesday night, we were downstairs, we were talking about value with our fourth through sixth graders because they need to hear that message over and over and over again that they are valued and loved by God. And so I brought in a $100 bill, had to go to the bank because I don't roll like that. Um, but I had to go to the bank, got a crisp $100 bill. I brought it in, I said, hey, who, who would want this if I was giving it away? And every kid, their hand went up, I need a new backpack. I'm like, I don't know what kind of backpack you're getting, but you, you, they are they watching you coming in because they're gonna be like, hey, we're gonna extra charge you on this. But they're all like, oh, I want it, I want it, I want it. And so I took it, and I ripped it a little bit, and I, I crinkled it up a little bit like it was crisp, all right? Crumpled it up, I stuck it under my shoe, I stepped on it, I rubbed it into the ground a little bit, and then I brought it back out, and I started to unravel it, and you can see all the wrinkles, and it almost looks a little destroyed on it. And I said to them, how many of you would still want this? You know, there's dirt, there's junk all over it, it's half ripped, like it just doesn't look right anymore. It doesn't look the same way as it did five minutes ago. And about half the hands went up. And I looked at Jude Folsom. And I said, Jude, why do you still want that? He says, because it's still worth $100. And in his innocent answer is a biblical truth. You are still worth everything that Christ poured into you in the beginning. 
And somebody came to church today to hear that. Because your past has left you felt worthless. See, when we become a new creation, our past dies. That word gone, the old has gone, actually means dead, killed, murdered, put to death, taken out, never coming back. It means that it is dead and that it is not coming back. See, as we are able to live in the resurrection of Jesus, our sins do not. And there's not. As we jump into a relationship with Christ, as we go into, as we are in Christ, there's not a subtraction of the past. There's not a reset button that we get to hit. There's not, there's not a clear all button that we get to hit. There's not a subtraction of the past, but there is only an addition of God's grace. God's grace is only given to us because of his unconditional love for us and Jesus' death and resurrection. See, when Jesus defeated death, he gave us power to defeat our past. And he gave us a value that is unmatched by anyone or anything. One of my favorite TV shows is Shark Tank. Anybody else watch Shark Tank? <sighs> Look, last time I was in here, I asked if anybody watched reality TV shows, and you guys were all like, no. Yes, you do. You guys watch Shark Tank. Don't lie. We're in church, okay? Shark Tank is one of my favorite shows, okay? Because you get all these, these hopeful entrepreneurs that come in, and they get to meet with all these leadership and business gurus, and they get to pitch them their idea about what they want to do. I love this show, right? And they come in. Sometimes they want to sell their entire business. Sometimes they just want to sell a portion of it. This one guy comes in and wants to sell his entire portion. He wants to sell his entire business to them. He said, well, I think it's worth this. And one of the sharks looked at him and said, your business is only worth what someone else is willing to pay. And that stuck with me. Something is only worth what someone else is willing to pay. See, God paid Jesus for you, which makes you valuable. God paid the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Emmanuel. He paid his one and only son, the name that is above any other name, for you. And that makes you valuable. Our longing for purpose and value cannot be filled by any created thing but only by the creator. In Christ, we have a new value. Our past does not determine our destination, but our Savior delivers us into our destiny. In Christ's death, we are given his life. We are given his righteousness, his inheritance, his status, and his value. The price that God paid is bigger than the mess we've made. And so here's where we're going to participate again, because we need to understand this. And you're not just going to verbalize it back to me like you did, oh, in Christ I am a new identity, or whatever that said. We're going, to, we're going to say this to the person next to you. You're going to say this right up here on the screen, the price God paid is bigger than the mess we've made. Now this may be difficult because you're probably sitting next to your spouse. And if you are and you're still fighting over what you fought about on the way to church today, that's a problem and we need to fix that. And so this will help with that. We know about those things because we do the same things too. The pre-church fights, those are rough. Those are rough. It's like, man, I'm going to glorify God. Can't believe you would say that to me. 
So what we're going to do now is you're going to turn to your neighbor. If you don't have a neighbor, you need to say this to yourself. God put you by yourself this morning so you could say this to yourself because you need to hear this over and over and over again. We're going to verbalize this to the person sitting next to you. You guys ready? Now you got to say it like you believe it. Okay? It can't be like, a, hey, he told me to say this to you. Because um, that doesn't work. It's not heartfelt. It's like elbow felt, you know. And like, hey, he told me to say this to you. But we're going to say it. Are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, the price God paid is bigger than the mess we've made. Let's say that again. The price God paid is bigger than the mess we've made. Again, if you're sitting by yourself and your lips aren't moving, you should. One more time. The price God paid is bigger than the mess we've made. But that's not where the Apostle Paul stops. He keeps going. You see, in Christ, we not only have a new identity, we not only have a new value, but in Christ we have a new perspective. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Every new creation is given a new perspective. One of my favorite things about being in ministry is watching our kids and students come back from trips. Whether it's a trip to Little Galilee Christian Camp for a week, or whether it's, whether it's one of our big CIY trips, or whether it's FCA Camp here in town, I love watching our kids come back because they are on fire for Christ, and they have this beautiful, new, Christ-centered perspective this Christ-centered perspective. I can't tell you how many of our students come back from our summer trips and they're like, man, I gotta get involved. They've got this fire in them, this Christ-centered perspective that's not about them anymore. And as you can probably tell, there's an enemy of this Christ-centered perspective and it is the self-centered perspective of me. Our sin-consumed life is a self-consumed life. We're trying to teach this to our kids at home, the, the, the gift of selflessness. See, they got a lot of new toys for Christmas, and we keep fighting and battling each other for this new toy. And they love to just go and just be like, oh, you're not playing with that anymore? I'll take that, and walk away, and it's like, you know, then somebody gets tackled, and somebody gets punched. I got girls, too. Like, I don't know what happened with boys. Like, if you got boys, I'm sorry, because uh, I'm sure there's blood flying everywhere. You guys go through band-aids like crazy. But our girls have a problem with sharing like us adults do, right? Because <laughs> let's not leave ourselves out of that, okay? My kids have a problem with sharing. So my wife was listening to a podcast, and she hears the guy on the podcast say, we've been trying to teach our kids the, the gift of selflessness, about how if somebody else wants to play with something, it's like, yeah, go ahead and delight in their delight. He's like, but we're not really good at this yet. Um, he's like, our rule at the house had to become that if you had it first, then you get to play with it. Anybody else struggle with this at home? Liars. You guys are all liars. Your kids don't share. My kids are wonderful. No, they're not. So let's just be honest, all right? Okay? Except for the kids that are in here. You guys are all great. <coughs> but our kids have a problem with sharing. His did too. And so he said, we made up this rule that it was whoever had it first. And so on a Saturday morning, shortly after Christmas, we hear our youngest son go downstairs and we're thinking, oh, he's getting a drink of water. He'll come right back up. When he doesn't come back up, they get a little curious. They go down the stairs, and they see their son sitting in the living room with toys all around him. And he looks at them, and he goes, I had them first. <laughs> and I'm like, that kid's going places, man. That guy, that's a world changer right there. That guy, man, he is going to be doing something great because he's brilliant. 
And that's funny, but if we think about it, we do the same thing. Because no matter what, we have a space in our heart for ourselves, Whether it's a small space or whether it's the entire thing. We have a space in our heart for ourselves. But when we are in Christ, we are given this new perspective. A perspective that says this life is not about you. This story is not yours to be told. This story is a story of God's redemptive work through the entire world. And yes, you are a part of that world, but the story does not stop with you. And we have a problem hearing that. This is what I like to call intentionally redirecting our obsession. Intentionally redirecting our obsession. This is where our model of care and love and focus turns from me to us. From us to everyone and from everyone to absolutely anyone. That's why I love that Paul includes that word in this verse. Therefore, if who? Anyone is in Christ. That means it's not just if Justin's in Christ. But a lot of the time we can make the Bible sound pretty selfish for us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which means that there are no limitations There's no boundaries, there's no borders, there's no distinctions, there's no separations, no lines drawn, no exceptions. And this should change the way that we look at our world. This should change the way that we look at our city. This should change the way that we look at our neighborhood and our street. This should change the way that we look at anyone. In Christ, we have a new perspective, one that intentionally redirects our obsession. So how do we do this? How do we shift? How do we shift our mindsets from, from me to anyone? How do, we, how do we boldly step into a new identity in Christ? How do we change ourselves? Well, I talked to Randy, and we got everybody a book. Yeah, right? It's awesome. It's taped under your seats, uh, and it's called 365 Things to Do to Make Yourself a Better Christian. It's not there. Don't look. Nobody looked. First service, I saw somebody go, but that was it. And I was like, ah, you really thought I had the time this week to tape a thousand books under everybody's chair? You're crazy. But I was like, come on. And at the end of sermons, I love to get the tangible things. All right, how can I do that? I love the way that sounds. Give me some more of that. How can I do that? Let me write those down. I don't have anything like that for you. Because change is not something that we do. Change is something that we allow to happen through Christ. Change happens in those little tiny moments that seem insignificant. Those little tiny, unremarkable moments is where change happens. Change is not a one and done event. Sure, change can start at an event, but that's not where change happens. Change happens in the moments. A change in identity, a change in value, and a change in perspective takes two things. A willing spirit and a surrendered heart. A willing spirit and a surrendered heart. Change happens in the little tiny moments that we feel like don't matter. Change happens in the moments where nobody else is watching. Change happens when we are intentionally redirecting our obsession. That's why I love the verse in Lamentations, right? We, we pretend that this is what Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says. We pretend it says God's mercies are new once a year. January 1st, mark it on the calendar. Happy new mercies, everybody. 
But Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 does not say that. No, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says that God's mercies are new every morning. Why? Because we need new mercies every morning. They never end. They never stop because God's love never ends and never stops. You see, in these small moments, God is delivering every redemptive promise he has made to us. In these unremarkable moments, he is working to rescue us from ourselves, which is exactly what each of us needs. Yeah, in Christ, we have a new identity. In Christ, we have a new value. In Christ, we have a new perspective. But that only happens when we are in Christ. When we have made that dedicated move to saying, I can't do this anymore. One of my favorite things about being in ministry is watching baptisms happen. Watching an outward expression of what God is doing inward. I love that. Because I'm watching kids and I'm watching adults. I'm watching people that are heavily broken saying, I'm broken and it's okay because God fixes things that are broken. But we have to be in Christ. You see, if, if you want to be someone new, you can't live in something old. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to take communion. Our communion trays are set up around the room again this week. And I promise that doesn't happen all the time, but I thought this was a neat opportunity. Again, we're participating this morning. And at each communion station, I feel like you guys were going to need a reminder because I know that I need about a thousand reminders. So we ordered about a billion of these cards. And the front of it says, New Creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Rachel designed this. Nice job, huh? It's good. And on the back of it, it says, In Christ I am. And then it's blank. It's blank with a lot of space. It's blank if you want to write one word. It's blank if you want to fill up the entire card. But I felt like we would need a reminder. And you take this card and you put it in your car. You take this card and you put it on your mirror. You take this card and you put it by your toothbrush. Hopefully we use that every day. You put it by something you're going to see every single day. Because every single day there's going to be current voices. Every single day there's going to be past experiences. And I don't just mean 20 years ago. I don't mean just three months ago. I mean 10 seconds ago that we're going to need to be reminded that in Christ we are new. That in Christ we are valuable. That in Christ we are given a new perspective. And so during our communion time, we're going to sing a song that always makes me cry. It's a song that always brings real and authentic tears to my, my face and my soul. Because we're going to sing about the resurrected king. And we're going to sing that he is still resurrecting me and he's still resurrecting you. And this, in Christ, we are everything. In Christ, we are whole. In Christ, we are free. And so as we get up to take communion, these cards are there. What we want you to do is we want you to take one of these cards. We want you to fill it out. Whether you go back to your seat and fill it out, we've got pens up here on the stage. Maybe you need to come and kneel before the Father and just pray through this card. And recognize that we are broken. Recognize that we need these new things. 
The stage is open for you to come and worship here, for you to come and pray here, and for you to come and recognize your new self. Then we also get to participate in the Lord's Supper, communion. And I was always explained this wrong as a child. I always thought, man, it was like a woe is me kind of time. Very sorrowful, like, oh, I let Jesus down again. Oh, I did this this week. This sin crept back into my life this week, and I let Jesus down this way. But that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say that do this in remembrance of not your mess, but of my message. Do this in remembrance of Christ. And so this is a worshipful time. As you're going to get communion, sing like nobody else can hear you except the Lord. That's okay. Praise the Father who has come and given us new life because of Christ. Spend some time with the Lord this morning as we worship him. Let me pray for 